It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. How are you today? Would you, why is Mike um, awkward saying how are you doing today? Was that awkward? Well, I think he was just trying to cut you all off. Yeah, he was trying why? to transition. Why? Why? Because we needed to be cut off. I don't think Quite so. frankly. Well, I mean, he is the one who just said this is terrible television, right? So, like, all, he don't know what the hell he's talking about. I told you. I said, it was <laughs> and G television. speaks the truth. He doesn't sugarcoat I mean, anything. He's trying to help Aditi, him. Um, uh, on a much more serious note, um, we <laughs> yes, started Jason the show. Hood on his head. Well, I just want to, I just want to, I just want to move Jason. the train down the yeah, tracks. Move it, move uh, it. On a much more serious note, we began the show, obviously talking about the Demar Hamlin injury. Uh, we had Dr. Richard Figler on, who's <coughs> the director of concussion, uh, uh, the, the Cleveland Clinic Concu- Concussion Center. What do you know? How, how do you know Demar? What are what, what can you tell us about the kind of person he is and what you might be hearing from sources that we haven't heard anything about yet nationally? It, well, let let's start with the second part of that. So sure. I think it's very very dangerous to speculate in any way at all. And I actually lived this myself a few years ago when I was in that same exact stadium in Cincinnati and Ryan Shazier was hurt in the most frightening of manners. And um, I mean, last night, the first thing I went to was standing in the bowels of that stadium outside of that locker room as Kevin Colbert paced, just waiting for some sort of word. And Ryan had been taken away via ambulance. And, you know, Ryan and I, in fact, texted last night as we're both sort of jarred by this. So I think that the most important thing I remember that or I remember from that time is that week as I was on air nonstop was don't speculate, don't guess, don't be an expert where you're not an expert. And as much as we can, let's humanize who this person is. Let's mm-hmm. let's show a little window into the personality of who this young man is. He's not just somebody under a face mask, some dude in a uniform who fell on a football field. So if it's okay, I feel more comfortable going in that direction. Absolutely. Jamar Hamlin is a Pittsburgh native, Jay, who... You know, in situations like this, we love to say, you know, this is a great young man who had everything in front of him. Guys, this really and truly is a great young man who has lived his life, who continues to live his life, who has been what any mother would want someone to be. He grew up in not the um, sweetest, ritziest parts of Pittsburgh, a suburb called McKees Rocks. He was very open in talking about how maybe half of his friends lost their lives before he was out of high school. His own father was in prison for three and a half years when he was in high school and his mother was desperate for him to go to private school. And so she ran a daycare scanner and she cleaned. And from the time that DeMar was 12 years old, he was cleaning alongside his mom, helping her to earn money so that he could go to private school. He was the number one defensive prospect in the entire state of Pennsylvania coming out of high school. He had almost 50 scholarship offers to every big name program that you could possibly think of. But his father had come home from prison and he and his mom had, his father and his mother had had another 
father's son. And I think when Damar was going on his recruiting visits, his little brother was maybe a year old, two years old, a toddler. And so Ohio State, Clemson, all of these schools wanted Damar. And he chose Pitt football because he said it was that important that he be present for his little brother and that his little brother see on a daily basis what his big brother is doing. And for DeMar, he had talked about even though while his father was in prison, he still had a relationship with him. It was different than his father actually being present. And so DeMar (laughs) wanted to be present for his little brother. So he goes to Pitt. He played five years at Pitt. He was a captain his final year at Pitt. I shared a story this morning that was written in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, one of the local papers here, that when the Pitt, when the Pitt Panthers defensive coordinator had tonsil cancer, DeMar was one of the players that he counted on to be his voice on the field. DeMar and Miles Sanders and uh, two other local Pittsburgh high schoolers who have gone on to play in the NFL for the last two years have run a football camp, a free football camp for 300 kids on the south side of Pittsburgh. No admission, no price. Uh, 300 kids go to this camp for free. I'm telling you all of this because... DeMar is not just a football player. He is not just a member of the Buffalo Bills who had something unbelievably frightening happen. This is a young man who you should be rooting for regardless. And I'm getting a little emotional and I hate to be emotional, but I think you all know that my son is a massive Bills fan. And, you know, this is one of those players that he actively roots for because my son also loves the Pitt Panthers. And this guy's a Pitt Panther. Yeah. And so go away from me for a minute right. so I can just wipe underneath I'll tell you, my here, eyes. Here's an update. I know people have been following this. Hamlin um, uh, was doing charity work, a toy drive. Right. And the goal was to raise $2,500. Uh, you see this? I actually saw another update just now. Apparently, uh, Steve Becker says he's now they've now raised almost $4 mil- million for a toy drive where the goal was 2500 and almost all of it yeah. has been done in the 15 hours or whatever it is. I think it, it was around 100,000 yeah, before you the know game. What, guys, Guys, last night, I and I don't I'm I'm not trying to take credit for this. I don't know who was first. It doesn't matter who was first. But I know that last night I shared this. I hadn't seen it anywhere. So I shared it. And when I shared it, the total donations were not even $5,000. So I can't remember when exactly I put it. I mean, I, I could find the exact time that I put it out. I think I was one of the first people that shared it. And when I did share it, it was less than $5,000. And within an hour, it was in six figures. And we just kept seeing those numbers go. And again, two parts to that story. One, the minute that he was allowed to do this. Because remember, this is pre-NIL. He had to wait for his eligibility to end. The second that his eligibility had pit ended and he was legally allowed to create this GoFundMe, he did. He did do it two years ago. It was obviously like, okay, yay, I can raise money. And he's not looking to line his own pockets. He's looking to get toys for kids at this daycare center that his parents <coughs> run. Um, so it's that piece that that's who he is. And then it's the other piece that how great are people, right? Like as much as we sit here and we love to say, Oh gosh, what is the world coming to? And can we be civil to each other and this, that, and the other Mm -hmm. that people can unite in that way so quickly and 
in feeling helpless want to do something so much didn't and we see the with Josh Allen? results of that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, didn't something, uh, Aditi, similar happen with Josh Allen and his mother and, and the Bills fans were donating seven. Well, Andy Dalton was it, had uh, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton a few years ago. And Andy Dalton actually just donated five grand to the yeah. Daily Drive. Over 151,000 different people have donated. Uh, is now topped $4 million. Now got over That's $4 just, million. And, and I imagine that number will continue yeah. to climb. Aditi, you tweeted that out 45 minutes after he had fallen on the field. So I, I in, in all likelihood, and I don't know who gets, you know, who did it first, but obviously with your reach, your tweet, I'm sure has been retweeted thousands of times. And it's amazing how, you know, with some, we spent a lot of time, to your point, about social media can be such a toxic, ugly, toxic place. Yeah. But when you see something like what we witnessed in real time last night, first of all, the number of athletes, organizations, former players, teammates, people that didn't even know him that were tweeting prayers for, for DeMar and his family. It was, it was really moving. And then to see people reach for their wallets and their checkbooks as they did last night, it's just, it is really a testament to, to your point. People are great. Because I think in this moment, we all feel, we all feel helpless, right? Mm -hmm. Like what can we do? The, these men these gladiators who go out there and entertain us every Sunday and Monday and Thursday and sometimes Saturday who in the pursuit of doing a job in a profession also have all these ripples of dealing with are mocking the way that they play or extolling them or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And this boils it all down these are all human beings. I mean, that ambulance didn't leave because they were waiting for DeMar's mother to get in the ambulance. Yeah. They had to get DeMar's mother down from the stadium into that ambulance. You know, it's just, it, it makes me feel really good that in the absence of not being able to do something, so many people wanted to do something. And, and we're seeing yeah. it in these donations. Aditi, you, obviously you said you spoke to Ryan Chazier you speak to a lot of players. You know a lot of players. I wonder, eventually the players are going to get back on the field. I wonder for the players in this, for all players, it's got to be, it's going to be jarring, I think, the first time they go back on the field after this. But specifically to the players that played in this game, the Bills players who it's a teammate, T. Higgins who hit him, you know, or had the collision with him that led to this. I just wonder from a mental standpoint and from you talking to guys like, do you think it's going to be hard for all these guys to get back on the field? Because we see injuries and we see guys get knocked out, but they always give the thumbs up, right? And But like to have him, as Jay said before, look lifeless apparently, and you don't even know, like this guy might die. Adam, he know. needed CPR. He needed right. CPR. It, this is unlike field. any other situation. Right. CPR. I mean, yeah, right. no. I, do I think it's hard? Yes. Nigh on impossible. I hope that every single team has adequate mental health professionals in their buildings yeah. today to talk to everybody. I, good, good point. I mean, really that's it. Point. Like, I, I don't know how else to address that. Especially and, those that and watched again, it. And when I sit here, I, I'm not trying at all. You know, like I, I hate, I hate this idea of. Oh gosh, okay, Aditi's texting this person and that person and talking to this coach and that like. I'm just saying, are you okay? 
you know like it's all like let's all check in with each other like are you holding up okay hey i'm thinking of you i'm not trying to get one of damar's former pit teammates who now plays with the steelers to give me a quote to share on social media sure. i'm just thinking that you are personally affected by this whether you were standing on that field or you were watching on tv or you know him or you don't or you play this game or you have any interaction with this game or any of it and I just, yes, 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 it is going to be impossibly hard. I think that the level of compartmentalization, all of those things, I can't speak to that because I'm not a mental health professional. So all I can speak to is, gosh, I hope there are mental health professionals in every single building and available to every person who needs to and wants to talk about this, whether you were a fan in the stands or you were on that field in a uniform. Didi, right along those lines, I'm concerned about T. Higgins, and we haven't really talked about yes. that. But, like, I covered Ohio State football when Jerry Westbrooks hit Adam, Talaf Adam Talafaro and paralyzed him, and the range of emotions that Jerry went through with that. I spent 45 minutes with him. Talk Jerry was angry because Adam ducked his head and said, you did that wrong. I can't believe you did that. And I'm not saying anything. anyone did anything wrong last night. And obviously this is even more tragic. Uh, Kurt Coleman paralyzed Tyson Gentry. <laughs> and Ohio State practice and the weight that Kurt carried with that for years. Now T is in that situation. You know him. I don't know him at all. I just can't imagine what he's going through today. And you talk about mental health help. He's going to need it more than anyone, I think, is just be you're going to feel responsible. I mean, all regardless. I can, yeah. All I can, and T did not do anything wrong, and no, T is no. not culpable. And there, and anybody who is saying his name, and a he's another wonderful, wonderful, wonderful young man. All I can think about is that image. Someone, someone posted a photo going back to the whole, you know, social media. Yes, can be bad, but yes, can also be great. Posted a photo of T walking out with his mother, and they had their arms around each other. And thank goodness there is that support there. Yeah, Aditi, um, I know you know Ryan Clark from your days of covering the Steelers. I, he was really one of the main voices that we were getting our information yeah. from last night as he joined Scott Van Pelt after the broadcast had thrown it back to the studio. I thought Ryan did a marvelous job, but he said one thing that really moved me and I reached out to Ryan and we had a brief conversation about his comment and I wanna get your reaction to it because you've covered these men, you know these people, in some cases almost boys, 24 years old. Well, I, th I think back to when I was 24. Ryan Clark made a comment that said, and it, it was just one line, and it was so prophetic and, and moving to me. He said, at 24 years old, I didn't even know I could die. These guys, when they put on that uniform, they know there's inherent risk. But most of the risk that they think about is the risk of being paralyzed and changing their lives forever. I don't know that prior to what we saw last night, any of these guys, like race car drivers know when they strap in, this could be it. I may never touch the ground again, but that's never really been the feeling for football players because we had never seen it. Talk about the mentality, uh, the almost gladiator mentality of these guys and Ryan's situation of knowing that his sickle cell diagnosis and an earlier situation he had playing in Denver could cost him his life, yet he stood in Mike Tomlin's office and yep. tried to tried to tell Mike Tomlin through other doctors, I'm going to be okay before Tomlin shut down the whole conversation. What are your memories of that and, and this mentality that I speak of? 
Well, you know, Jay, it's interesting you say that because I was getting ready to say I would urge everybody to go find the Pivot podcast, which which Ryan does so tremendously. Awesome. Um, he, I believe it was this past summer, had Mike Tomlin on, and they talked about that very episode where Ryan Clark had his family, had his doctors, had prepared a 30-minute conversation or, or, or persuasion to allow Mike Tomlin to let him play in Denver. And five minutes in, Mike Tomlin told him to stop talking and said, if you were my kid, there is no way I would let you play. And Mike Tomlin speaks very, very eloquently his responsibility to lead, to look out for these young men, to that, you know, he had this line, I, I may butcher it, but it was something along the lines of, you cannot expect unique results without unique relationships. And so Ryan Clark, besides being one of my all-time favorites and tremendous at what he does, is uniquely positioned to speak about this very specifically. But it also, that conversation that he had with Mike Tomlin, I hope he gives you insight into where Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott were last night as well. Right. Because I will tell you this, they also, two coaches that I've spent a very good amount of time with, if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Men first, coaches second. Fathers first, coaches second. People who care about their players first, coaches second. You know, all of those things. And the way that they together discussed this and there was no conversation about we need this game for seeding or but this is an important game or this is the biggest Monday night football matchup ever that it was all about the men that they are charged with guiding and leading and protecting and looking out for it just there's they, so much more to this than a game. I think Troy There's Vincent showed great leadership. I think it was Troy Vincent that said this morning yeah. what these two coaches did last night was lead. Mm-hmm. And, and Aditi, it's my hope that as, as – and, and there would be plenty of time to dissect the minutia of the timeline of what was going on. We know about the Joe Buck comment that the players have been told, take five minutes and gather your thoughts and then we're going to play football. And that just seems patently absurd. It seemed absurd at the time. I, to me, on the outside looking in, and there may be a lot of stuff that I'm sure there is a lot of stuff I don't know, but to me it felt like those that were leading last night were Taylor and McDermott because I believe that they were the I, – I think, uh, Bull, you pointed out that Taylor came across the field, had a conversation with McDermott, and it looked like through the prism that we had – that these were the two men saying, no, we're not going to do this. Yeah. We're not going right. to do this. And I, I hope we don't find out that the league was pushing the product. Let's get this thing on the road. The show must go on. 
because this was unprecedented. This wasn't a player that was carted off with a thumbs up. This was a player laying motionless and lifeless without a heartbeat on the field. And the look, when I saw the cutaway of Josh Allen, I immediately said, I think this young man's in a fight for his life. And there is no way you can ask these other 100 men to go back out there and play this game. And I think the right oh my call gosh, eventually when was Stephon made. Stefan Diggs started crying. They showed Stefan Diggs Many with tears players. in his eyes. And I it was, lost it was moving. And I said, okay, this is not right. This is not what we have ever seen before. That alone. When, when have you... I mean, we've seen players kneel. We've seen players have... Uh, nervous expressions on their faces, but like that, not nothing like that. And yeah, that image right there. Of this Josh all Allen. says everything that you are saying about Zach Taylor speaks to who he is and who that Bengals organization is as well. And who, and who largely the national football league is let's be honest. Okay. Like there are a lot, a lot, a lot of really, really, really good people in the national football league. And you know, if this is Steelers Ravens, I can see John Harbaugh doing the same thing. Oh, I can see absolutely. Mike Tomlin doing the same yeah. thing. If this is Browns um, Falcons, I can see, you know, so they did. Yes, they deserve kudos, but they also did what is expected in that they were humans and we know that they are humans. Aditi, apparently Mike Tomlin just spoke and would only answer two questions because he was starting to get emotional about it because he was talking about how he knows this kid since he's 12 years old and yeah. Uh, apparently, his, his his family put out a statement. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It just talks about how they are so thankful for all the medical people, for the bills, for the Bengals, and how everybody treated it. They said there, there's apparently going to be a medical update at some point today. So, uh, you This know, Jordan Rooney is the guy who tweeted out last yeah, night. he's his agent. He is his marketing. No, no he's, he's not, not his, his agent. agent. He's no, not his agent. No, he's not. I think, he's, I think he handles his marketing. And he right. put out a statement last night that said his vitals had returned to normal and that he was essentially had been intubated right. so that they could, you know, control. He didn't really go into the detail, but did say that um, his vitals had come back to normal. And there was a lot. And I was as, as I'm watching this in real time and I I know so many of the players at ESPN and particularly some of the behind the scenes folks. I was really surprised that there wasn't an attempt to talk about Jordan's tweet or to get him on the air because while while Twitter and the Twitter sphere was trying to verify who this guy is, um, they were trying to parse whether or not this was reliable information. I thought this was the most important information in yeah. the moment last night, and ESPN never even made reference to it. I was really surprised by that. Because, but, Jay, to be fair, we, we no, at know. CBS were yeah, no, I know you've got to be careful. Yes. You've got to vet it. But what I was surprised at was, and this may have been going on behind the scenes and maybe they couldn't get a hold of Jordan. But what, as a viewer, in real time, I wanted Jordan to be interviewed by Scott Van Pelt. Tell us what you apparently know. Because it was so dire that Stefan Diggs took, a, a, reportedly, took an Uber from the stadium to the hospital and essentially had to, I don't want to say muscle his way talk in, his way in, but he had to talk his way into oh, the hospital. Baby had to vouch for him. Yeah. Right. Had to say, no, this is like one of the best receivers in the yeah. NFL. And it's his teammate. He needs to go inside. Everybody was dying for wrong term. Everybody was trying to get any Finally. information that they possibly could. And to me, I, I looked at this guy, I looked into his credentials and I said, Oh, this guy's legit. 
I mean, I, I, he's not some Yahoo who's tweeting out because he didn't have the blue check mark. People wanted to dismiss his information. I thought in the moment he had no, vital but you know what? Again, this is this is what I'll say again. I think that in a situation like this, you have to be very very careful that there is not. Um, that there's not undue speculation, that we're not playing like the, you know, tabloid doctor. This person doesn't treat someone, sure. but they're going to guess what nine minutes of CPR means. So, like, let's not do that. Right. And I think it's also one of those things that you want to have respect for the family when it comes to the dissemination of any information. Absolutely. And DeMar's agent yesterday eventually put out something, a statement that was different than what this young man, Jordan Rooney, shared. Excuse me, sorry. Um, and I think that you have to be careful. It's not necessarily about the blue check mark, but it's, is this person authorized to share this information about DeMar's medical status? And being that it was someone that, you know, did not necessarily have relationships that were in the media that were easily verifiable or substantiated, I think having a little caution is not a bad thing. Yeah, I'd like you to know, I'd like to know to something what was going on thing. behind the scenes. I, I would imagine that ESPN was, was <laughs> trying to get a hold of Jordan to see if he would come on and, and share what he knew with with them and their audience, where he got that information. Uh, it was really the only yeah. piece of medical information that we got from anyone last night. Well, Nobody else had well, anything. Well, working, so I worked in with medical and PHI for eight years. So technically, even if they did have something, well, the HIPAA, yeah, he, he can't. Even if it was, if it was, they would have to verify his wife. And even if so, you would have to have a power attorney as the only person that could really speak on your behalf, unless he gives you permission to do so but obviously yeah. he's not conscious enough to do it so i can see why they kind of said I, no i don't know who you are we can't let you in uh, aditi i know this is this is a terribly speculative question uh we chewed on this a little while earlier at the last thing anybody was thinking about last night and really even today is playing a football game but ultimately the nfl has on its plate right now a very weighty decision that is going to have implications really perhaps going all the way to the Super Bowl as home field advantage is at stake. It's impossible to guess what the NFL is going to do here, but what do you see happening and how this decision is made, what the timeline has to be? It's incredibly time sensitive going into the final week of the season. How do they, how do they navigate this really unchartered territory? I don't, you know, I don't work for them anymore. So, um, <laughs> you I, know I don't, how they I operate, though. Yes, I. You know what? I think that these are all conversations that are being had. I, I hope that part of how, whether it was true or false, this five-minute thing, which we heard Troy Vincent say that it was false and wasn't actually um, anything that the league had suggested, that there would be a five-minute break and then, you know, a five-minute warm-up and a return to the field, whatever. But sometimes the outcry in response to that, even if it was false, was such that I think there's a strong awareness that you need to do the right thing. And we may not know what that right thing is right now, but this isn't just about optics. This isn't just about money and TV contracts and orderly scheduling. Um, 
you need to, as you talked about earlier, all of these ripple effects, you need to consider every single one of them. I don't know. I, I can't speculate. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if you just, it's hard. you know, There's these no two easy teams answer. play 16 games and that's it. And you just cancel that game and you move forward and the standings are what the standards are, where they are today. And they play a week 18 next week. I, I don't know that you can at this point play that game, repeat that game. The Bills got on their plane and they went home because they were in no position to stay in Cincinnati and potentially lace up and play today. So you just cancel the game. And there's no forfeit. There's no th- nothing. It's just two teams play and you go one less winning game. Percentage. Yeah. I, you, you I could think, do it that yeah. way. Aditi, I think I said before that if they're going to replay it, they, re- they move the whole season back a week. Next weekend, they just play Bills-Bengals. Assuming he's okay by then I, I think if he's not then I don't know but if he's recovering I think you push the whole season back a week except for the Super Bowl because you'll have you have one week instead of two and you play just Bengals Bills next weekend and then play the final week the week after and push everything back you think there's any chance they would do that I think that's the only thing that makes sense if you're going to play the game I don't, you know, Adam, I don't know. I will say this after covering this league for 15 years and not having ever witnessed anything even remotely close to this. I don't. Yeah, it's impossible. Is is it smart to put these young men back on a football field in four days, in five days? I I, I just don't, you know, I, I don't think it's like the University of Virginia. I don't think they just end the season, you know, or don't play. But I just, I, I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I have no idea. It's a tough one. Um, yeah. And I don't envy yeah, them because it's uh... going back there, you know, I, I, and again, I'll, I'll use this again and only because it's a personal experience. I remember when Ryan Shazier went back to Cincinnati for the first time after he was hurt and walked on that field. You know, I just, um, I don't know if the Bills are, can be, psychologically ready to go back to Cincinnati right now in again, four days. I just, I don't want to speculate. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I no, wish that I had some good answers There's for you. No I wish answer. I had something concrete. Yes. But I, again, I think... this, this is why they make those decisions. And you know what? There are a yeah. lot of, there are a lot of smart, smart, smart people there at the national football league, um, smart people within these organizations. And I am having faith that they are considering any and all angles that this is not just about money and cleanliness and a schedule and fairness. And I'll tell you this, I'll give you one piece of speculation. If they don't play and if there are two teams that play one fewer game, there's not going to be one coach out there that complains that that's a competitive disadvantage or advantage or unfair ground. Right. No, I mean, not even the chiefs who are in a situation obviously where it could cost them home field advantage. We don't know Cincinnati, Buffalo, all these teams are in the mix. I think no matter what the league does, there's going to be criticism because that's just the way it is. It's almost yeah. like, you know, right. not, not in scope, but when they were making the Deshaun Watson decision and, and all of that was going on, everybody knew that it doesn't matter. You're not going to win. that You can't win this PR right. battle. Right. Yeah. I know the league, and you know this, Aditi, oftentimes they put their finger in the air and they sort of test which way the wind is blowing which way is the wind blowing? before they make these decisions. And that's always been one of my criticism of the league. I don't. I, I hate the notion that you make decisions based off polls, based off public well, opinion. Do right. the right See, thing, and you know what that what is. Okay, that's what I was saying to you earlier. That if we are thinking about the way the wind was blowing, it's pretty darn uniform. <laughs> yeah, they can't miss this how one. 
I mean, what happened to who was it? It was Skip Bayless, right? Yeah. Right yesterday, Skip yep. Bayless, who got completely not not that I want to give any extra attention to any of this, but ripped in every which way for his take on continuing to play the game. So, you know, if it is something where it's where is public opinion right now? Public opinion is that the single most important thing right now is the mental health of these men. Well said. Thanks, Aditi. Aditi, I know this was tough for you. Um, we adore you. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your thoughts on I, what I know is a very, very difficult afternoon for you. Thank you, Aditi. No, my pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a bit about DeMar with everyone. And um, we can talk about the Brown Steelers Thursday. Yeah. Plenty of time for that. Yep. Aditi, thanks. Appreciate it's hard. It. The only thing I would say before G um, is that you say we should do the right thing. I don't know what the right thing is. Obviously, the right thing last night was to not play. You know what I think But happens? going forward, I'm not yeah. sure what the right thing is. It's just a guess. They're not yeah. going to finish the game. I don't think they will. They're just going to Because go. I think that's the right thing. They're because just, Aditi made a point. Yes. Those men are going to be better equipped in five days to put their cleats on that turf again. I guess not. I They're not. I, I mean, you just can't ask them yeah. to do that. You I, saw the looks on their faces. Yeah. I think the right thing in this instance is very yeah. simple. The right thing is, to what she said, you use winning percentages instead right. of, because let's face it, a 17-game sample and a 16-game sample, is there that much difference and even if the Chiefs end up being on the short end of this stick and fall to the three and have to play a well, first round this will game, benefit them. Well, it will if they go by off off winning percentages. Yeah, well, what else would they do? I don't know what else they would do. I hope yeah. that's what Bills they do. Bills have the head-to-head. Bills over beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs and they, I don't know. So that has to be factored in. You can't ask the Bills to go to the Chiefs and play a playoff game when they beat them head-to-head this year. But and have, the Bengals beat yeah. the Chiefs. I, there's no good. There's no. There's no great th- answer. No. No matter right. what scenario you pick, there's going to be loop. There's going to be punch but holes I, in this argument. Are the Bills going to be? If the Bills, is it just that they can't play in Cincinnati from a mental standpoint, or they can't play? Period. I just don't think there's enough time for them to play. I, I don't, don't either. I think time. This is yeah, so well. time sensitive. Asking the other seven, uh, th- thirty teams to take that 18th week and just sit it out. I think that's. I think I think what about the teams that are were planning on resting their players and had a first round bye? you're talking about a months of inactivity. Yeah, and something, you know, there's a lot of logistics involved with NFL teams and the amount of hotels that you need. And right. Buffalo is probably already planning on going back after the game. Anyway, that's standard procedure. Yeah. After the game, you fly home. But the fact that they left and went to went they took home, it out of the NFL's hands tells me they are not playing a game anytime. Yep, soon. I agree no. with you. I think that I, I don't know if there was discussion between the league and the bills but i'm sure they had a flight that was chartered they left shortly they stayed at the stadium until just short shortly after midnight and then as planned took their chartered flight back to buffalo i think when i read that early this morning i said oh that takes the decision out of the league's hands the players should decide what happens i agree with you I, i i one of the things i thought of last night when when they were discussing what happens and and they made that what seems a patently absurd comment now, they're going to go regroup for five minutes and stretch, and then they're going to play. I immediately thought, you go into both locker rooms, and on a show of hands, how many got? and I can assure you that it would have been overwhelming on both sides. We're not playing this yeah. football game. And that's why I was glad that ultimately, however they got there, whether it was Taylor who initiated this whole thing, well, however they got there, they got to the right decision to not play a football game last night. And Roger Goodell's received a lot of criticism, and rightfully so, for a lot of the show must go on. But 
it's not like Roger was on the phone with somebody in the stadium going, get him ready, get him ready, yeah, get him suited up. We don't up. know that. We don't and know my, that it happened. And we it, don't know it, that it, it didn't. Oh, I think like, it did, but, but no, I don't. Maybe not him personally. I mean, it was. Pro- I mean, who knows how Joe, Joe Buck but, said that? It's it's standard procedure. He could have said the players were just warming up. I know, but I, that's procedure. what I wanted. The I wanted to know from, from no. where did Joe Buck get that comment? Was it, it a producer be, that heard from the league office? It could be one guy on the field going, "Okay, well now, let's be clear." I will say this before you start, G. Bush. Quickly, there is constant communication between the league office and the broadcast partner. And I, I would not be surprised at all if there wasn't immediately an open line of communication between someone at in Bristol and someone in Park Avenue offices. Where, And I'm not saying it was the commissioner, but I think early on when they kept taking one commercial break after another, it was apparent that a broadcast decision had to be made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do believe from working inside that bubble and seeing how that goes, there was absolutely an open line of communication between the league and the yeah. network as to what we're going to do. Here I, don't, I just don't believe the league was never considering continuing the game. I, I don't I'm, I'm going to keep it real. We are we in left field. We in left field. I'm kind of hot right now, too. I'm kind of hot because we do this every freaking time something happened on this field. Everybody want to pivot and act like they – I done heard people talking about, oh – you know, just uh, the mental health of the players. And yeah, you could die. They don't even know they could die out here. We sit here and talk about this stuff every single time. Schedule remakes. How are we going to make it up? What the league feels about it? I, I don't give a damn what the league feels about it. Let's be keep it real. Why we don't talk about the stuff that matter? This young man, you want to know? You want to know how, how what this, you need to know about him? He's 24 years old, right? He got a contract for $160,000. That's his bonus. And he earns $825,000 this year. You say, G. Bush, why are you talking about this man's money? Because guess what? He's been in the league two years. That means he's not vested. That means if he never plays another down in his life, he don't get another check for the NFL. Let's be clear about this. You got to play three to four years before you even sniff a pension. So all this heartwarming and prayers and condolences don't do nothing for that boy's mom that that got to go home, look at her son, and he might need extensive care for the rest of his life. And you know what the NFL will tell you? Well, you know, um, you know, we'll we'll look out for the people like him. No, you won't. No, you won't. Let's talk about the disability policy for the NFL, right? They moved it from $22,000 a month to 4,000 in the last collective bargaining agreement. Did you know that the NFL has a private board that reviews all aspects with their doctors and with and with their neurologists and their specialists? They can deny benefits even if Social Security deems you to be permanently disabled. The league can come back and then say, you know, the national go- the government is a you know they're they're experts, but let's take it over so we don't pay anything out. Only 15 percent get approved by Social Security. The league says that number should be lower. Get that 15% of the people who apply for disability in this country. I know I was a, I was a disability expert. It's very low. I submitted over almost 250,000 applications in one year one time. I know. Since the CTE settlement, only six and a half percent of the settlement has been paid according to the admin's website. I looked it up yesterday. And 60% of the claims have a qualifying diagnosis but have not been paid. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. They're also moving the pension. And that pension, he got to make it to 55. He's 24. 
and they've moved that between 3,000. They moved it down to 3,000 when it was 5,600 a month. And the last stat that you should know about is the Bills owner Terry Pagula owns the Sabres as well as as well as the Buffalo Bills, and his net worth is 6.7 billion dollars. My question to you is NFL: When you when when do salaries become guaranteed? If you know these young men are going out there and they could die on that football field, I don't give a damn what you thoughts and prayers are. Do the right thing. I just heard a DD say it seven times. This is a savage sport. Men are dying every week, and you covered that up during CTE, and now you want to act like you the top of the food chain because you got the CPR people on the field all the time? That's the least you should do. You're not gonna pay that man's you, you, you're not gonna pay that man's tuition for his kids. You're not gonna give him no disability money. You gonna do nothing. All you do is collect them big checks and we go play fantasy footballs and I hear these dudes thoughts and prayers for a whole damn two hours. Y'all don't care about them kids. These young black kids is putting on the line. And you telling them what they put on the line ain't worth it because it, you know why? Because you don't want to pay for somebody that's broken and battered and can't take care of themselves because it costs you money. So it is all about money. And I heard nobody talking about no contracts. And he's sitting up here cashing these checks. We worship these owners. They do anything they want to. Anything. And as long as the product is good, we salute it. I'm pissed off today because ain't nobody talking about the real stuff. There's people out there, players are saying, they just want to wait for us to die. I like the NFL just like the rest of y'all, but I'll be damned if I'm going to sit up there and pat Roger Goodell on the back for running this organization the way he does. They run it like a criminal organization. Sick of it. I'm tired of that, man. I just had to get that off my chest because all this stuff, you ain't talked about what this boy going to go through. This kid could be damaged the rest of his life. And we talk about making up games. Care about making up no damn football games? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Bernie Kosar is the one that said that. You, you mentioned the player that said they're waiting for us to die. I, and I thought about that conversation we had with Bernie on this very set about the league not properly taking care of these gladiators that have churned out billions, billions of dollars for these owners. Yeah. And, and part of that Bernie is a said, fail- Honestly, part of it is a failure of the leadership of the players' union. That do historically has been a the problem. Right, <clears throat> do the right thing. It don't take you It don't take you or you or you to twist my arm to do something I should be doing for my players regardless. Everything ain't a negotiation. You getting billions. You can die today. That's a sliver. Of the, these people just want basic health care. We talk about 4000 a month, boo. They don't need no players association to do the right thing by their players. It's called do the right thing, period. 
You got think, it. I, you're right. The league, sh- but in, in, the league is never going to voluntarily come out and say they're bad guys. We need to do that because they're they're business. And and someone once told me uh, over a dispute that they were having a, a media member a dispute they were having with the NFL, which became public and it actually involved Roger Goodell. And this person told me what they learned about the process was this man is ruthless and he runs the organization yeah. in a ruthless he manner. Now, care. unfortunately, that is not to benefit of the players. It's to benefit of his bosses, who are the 32 the owners. owners. Yeah, you're right, Gene. This they- man, is it's his job to make as much money as he can for the owners. However, I will say this, and this is something that has bothered me for a long time. When it became public, the amount, the dollar amount of the CTE settlement, I had a player who told me that is laughable. And this is what the player said. Ten years from now, get back to me on how much of that money they've paid out. Chidi Ahanatu played for the Bucks for a long time. Very good friend of mine. He's been involved in trying to get some of this settlement money. I know other players that were named on the complaint against the league. I know other players that believe they deserved it but didn't put their name on it, which was I, I found fascinating. And they all had different reasons why they didn't enter as as a party to the lawsuit. But it is it is befuddling to me how Jason and maybe you have answers to this. How what looked like a win for the players at the time and an advancement of this sport that quite frankly is still taking advantage of its members. We talk about, we look at these players, the mistake we make is we look at these players and think they're millionaires for life. The vast majority of these players, the vast majority lose all their money. There was a stat a number of years ago, Jason, I'm sure you're familiar with this. 75% of the players within five years of leaving the field are one of the following either broke incarcerated, divorced, or addicted. So I know that I think we as fans, to your point, need to do a better job of holding the league accountable. Billionaires for doing are never what held they, accountable. But I, I know that, and that's what they do it, I hate that right, because you're right. But it is beyond my recollection, or I can't get my arms around the notion that there was this blasted headline everywhere about this negotiated right. settlement between the league and the players, yet they're still sitting on the vast majority of that money and the interest on the money they're sitting on has exceeded the amount that they've paid out. What did you they're say actually the, using this as a, as a slush fund. Six, Gee, what did you say six and, and, six and a half paid percent is paid out. Six and a half? Over 60% of the, of the applications placed in have a, a, a diagnosis that says they should be getting paid. And they've already well, the point up. that you made that I want to come back to is in, it's all in the fine print. The devil is in the detail. One of the things that the league wanted to take better control of was how we get to this, this diagnosis. And the league shouldn't The league is that. using its own doctors. Yeah, Bernie Kosar has told me on a number of occasions. The Why hoops, are the courts not stepping in? I, I don't know. Ask Tyvis. Tyvis just did this recently. Yeah. yeah Tyvis literally went through this exact process recently. Tyvis and crazy. Tomorrow. It's crazy. It's crazy. The owners the are freaking show, boy, I got to get this in All real right, quick. All right, go ahead. It's the first show since we launched on May 9th. We have not talked about the Cleveland Browns. 
the first show. But that doesn't mean we're not going to tell you about Tri-C because today they are sponsoring the last 10 minutes of the show. As always, the last 10 minutes of the show, a.k.a. today, is sponsored by Cuyahoga Community College. Tri-C supports their students financially, professionally, and personally, opening up the doors of endless possibilities. Tri-C is where the future starts, and it starts right now. Classes begin January 17th. That's coming up. Sign up. Sorry, Bull, what were you saying? You're right. I mean, it's like G makes a great point uh, uh, that, the, like, yeah, the, the – well, my point was that the players' union hasn't negotiated strong enough. They should. It's insane that baseball players and basketball players get guaranteed money, and football players who play the most physically dangerous, physically taxing sport don't. It's nuts, and that's partly on the players. And I, I, I guess if I was a, a low-life billionaire, I probably wouldn't do it either. If I didn't have to, I would hope I would. But like in this particular situation, especially, like it, it, you're right. Like he's. If he never plays again, then he doesn't get his benefits. He doesn't, he doesn't get, get his pension. health insurance. He, don't he doesn't get, get pension. Insurance. And, like, do you have any faith that the Bills owner is going to do the right thing? We, I, would, I, I think it's more likely they'll, they'll say all these things and then never do anything. Well, this is why I say, though, the, bull, the power of the fans should not be underestimated. The fans last night totally accounted didn't. for four point something million dollars for this man's charity. Yeah. <laughs> we know what is right and we know what should be done. Asking or expecting the league to voluntarily take themselves and their billion-dollar corporation to that point is not going to happen willfully. They're not going to do it. It's not going to change until the owners are forced to change. And you right. force change at the bargaining table, and yes. you force you get to the bargaining table by striking. But the, the players pl- haven't the stood pl- together the players, on that. They need to next time. I, I'm, well, I, we say that every time. I but they to, should. But, I, I, but, I, but it's easy for us but to say. But the well, same fans that are saying they should, yeah. after three weeks of no football, are going, all right, enough already. But millionaires no, arguing with true. billionaires. I, I yeah. talked, it goes I, right back to that same narrative. No, but I talked to Browns players before this last agreement, and they said, we're serious this time. We don't want a 17th game, and we don't want this, and we don't want that, and we're going to – and then they just roll Soon right over. Soon there's going to be 18 I, games. I, I'm going to be real with you, man. During this during this last pandemic, you know what we found out? We didn't gave business owners everything. They get tax everything. breaks. They 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 get to choose where they want to have their money. They get all they this stuff. They don't pay any taxes. They ain't paying no taxes. The NFL, by the way, does not pay taxes. And, and so what I'm yeah. saying to you is, you wonder why you can't find nobody to go work. Because you've been working people 60 hours, getting no raises, no health benefits. They're paying for money to just put gas in a car and go back and forth to work. And then you got the nerve to, I don't understand why no one wants to work for the same $12 that we've been offering since 1996. People are tired of that, bro. And it's the same thing with these billionaires. You can't make a billion dollars and then say you're not going to give basic health care to the people who are dying to make you that money. It's as simple as that. And the irony is baseball, you mentioned baseball and basketball have these guaranteed contracts. There's no sport on the planet. Maybe hockey approaches it. There's no sport on the planet more dangerous, explosive and dangerous. It's Every single play, yeah. there is a collision between 11 players right. on both sides. Yeah, it's crazy. Every play, at, 100 at, times a week, yeah. 18 soon to be times a year. It's it's unfathomable. And G, and G you talk about health care. I mean, you think about we're dis- you talk about people not working and pe- people are discouraged. You, you you are discouraged from quitting your job to do something on your own and be independent because your health insurance is tied into your job, which should never be joke. the case, which what, is crazy. What a joke. I pay I pay and, and that's what I did when I quit my job. I pay over twenty two hundred dollars a joke. month for my health insurance. Most people can't afford that. No. 
80% of people can't afford but that. But you're in a, you're between a rock and a hard place. Right, you but I no decided choice. to do it because I was able to, I was able to do it, but most people can't afford to pay most people cannot. It's insane that I have one kid. Lomas what if you Brown, have three, four, five kids? Lomas Brown, who's a Hall of Famer, uh, near 20-year career, won, I think, two Super Bowls, one with the Giants, one with the Bucks at the end of his career. I worked with <coughs> Lomas very closely for years at ESPN. He told me once, and I, I, I can't remember the – I believe the, the monthly amount for his insurance was over $4,000 a month. And he said, now try getting something covered because the same things that they're willing to call now a pre-existing condition are pre-existing conditions because he got them with his blood for this yeah. organization. Yeah. And he, he told me, he goes, everybody thinks that, you know, 20 years in the league – you, you got this pile of money, and you don't need to. He goes, it's not the case. He's still, you know, he worked at ESPN. Now he's calling uh, the games for the Lions on the radio. He's and doing he's got other it better things. Still than most and people. he's got it better than 95% yeah, right, of the other exactly. players because he's a Hall of Famer. Right, and better than but most people. I don't, it's, the whole it's, it really I, is I, insane, I, I, you, you, and it's got to change, man. and it's up to the players. The fans can't get it changed. The owners aren't going to willfully do it. The players have to band together, and maybe Absolutely. this is the event. Maybe this is the cataclysmic event that they all rally around and they all come together and say, you know what? Enough is enough. Because his mama was cleaning floors to get him in college. Now you're telling me she got to go back to cleaning floors because he need 24-hour care? Kind of crap. Go ahead, McDougie. Let's hope he doesn't need 24-hour care. Let's hope he doesn't. But but Bull, even if this player doesn't, we've learned that the risk is real. Of course. Every one of these players to be, if not in that situation where you're fighting for your life, Situations like others that we've mentioned who have lost use of their limbs for their life. That's right. And can no longer pursue their dream as a, as a career opportunity. And G, good point on the thoughts and prayers. I'm sick of the thoughts and prayers. Yeah, too many this, of those. That's meaningless. I want action from, from yeah. the NFL. No creative read here. I do have to mention that you can get 15% off on Built Bar at Built.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN15. They're full of protein and nutrition. Uh, no creative somber reader. It's just not the day to do that. We do have a couple of internet comments real quick. Benjamin Sanders said he was at the Cavs game last night. After the second quarter, I said Spider would need 60 to win. Had no idea we'd see an all-time performance. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse was electric. Chris Boswell said coming down from being uh, – come back from being down 20, stop it. Spider's the best. And then James Slade, did anyone remember the late Detroit Lions receiver Chuck Hughes who died in the field during a regular season game in 1971? I do I'm not, not remember that. that. So. I, I do not remember that. that. And it's, it's, I'm, I, I, I'd be interested to hear more about that because even the – like I, I look at Adam Schefter as you know kind of a historian as much as he knows the league that – has been mm-hmm. the last 25 years since he's covered it. I, you know, he didn't mention that. Wow. I've never heard of that. Not saying it hasn't happened, but um, when I, I don't remember it. We're out of time. Chapman was the only baseball player yeah. that's ever happened. I never heard of a uh, football player. Thanks for listening. Yep, we're out of time. Um, hug your loved ones. Make it a great day. We will see you tomorrow. Lots of Browns tomorrow. I Lots of Browns tomorrow. We'll talk plenty of Browns. we got four guests, so be ready. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.